0: All right. Let's see. That's recording. Okay. <clears throat> All right. We're going to be in Hebrews twelve. Hebrews 12, 1 and two today. And so last week we looked at the cross. Um, this week we'll look at the uh, at the empty tomb. So look at the death and the resurrection. And so the main thing we talked about last week was just a reminder that the reason we had the death on the cross was because God loved us. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And we primarily talked about Romans chapter 5 uh, and 6. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we looked at the cross and that the main takeaway from the cross is love. That the reason Christ died is because he loved us. The reason God sent Christ to die is because he loved us. And that there's a challenge to that. At the end of of Romans, that passage says, um, For if we were enemies, so if we were enemies, we were reconciled by God through the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And Paul takes that a step further and says, Because we've received reconciliation, we're now ministers of reconciliation. So the cross is not only a reminder of the love of God and what he's given to us. The cross is a challenge for us that we've been reconciled. Now go and reconcile the world around you. Um, That it's not our job to pass judgment anymore. It's our job to point people um, to the judge, to the giver of life. And that's God through Jesus Christ. And that when we do that, when we view the cross in that way, um, we actually become what Isaiah calls repairs of the breach. Um that where we see brokenness around us, we are called to make that new. We are called to repair that. and we can only do that through the Holy Spirit given to us through cross on the cross, through Christ on the cross. Um, <laughs> and so that we have that in us now. And so today I wanted to look at, we looked at the love of the cross today. I want us to look at the joy of the resurrection because we have both and we walk in both. And a lot of times, we said last week, uh, the way we kind of, View the cross um, is the way we kind of live out our faith in Jesus on our relationship with God. And so, however, we view that cross uh, is going to be kind of predominantly the way we steer. Um, There's an author, um, David Dark, who had a quote that I just love this week. And he says, Jesus is not our protection against God's terror, Jesus is God's creative response to ours. You know, so how do we view the cross? How do we view the resurrection? So is it primarily the cross is just a means in which we escape the wrath and punishment of God? Or, or is it God's creative way to restore relationship with us? And so it may not sound all that different. And when you're talking theology or doctrine, it may not be all that different. And the verses may be you saying, but that perspective of how we view God, are we escaping wrath from the cross or are we having a restored relationship, a restore to purpose on the cross? And so that's the challenge for us as Christians, I think. Do we view our religion as a legalistic set of rights and wrongs and do's and don'ts in which we have to be the arbitrators of right and wrong for the whole world and, and good and moral? Or do we view ourselves as, man, I'm broken and I'm fallen? And God's answer to that is to redeem me, to restore me, to reconcile me, to return me to my intended purpose. Uh, and I think for us that's especially important because that's what reclamation means. Reclamation means to take something that is broken and return it to its intended purpose and design. And so when we see the cross of Christ, that's that's what I see. It's not condemnation. It's not, um, you, you know, I'm, I'm fleeing a punishment, but that God is restoring a relationship I broke. Um, and so it just it made me think of the kids. Um You know, kids are destructive and they break things. Um, And so I I, I picture that, you know, God has created this world for us. He's created all this goodness, all this blessing for us. And we come in and are destructive. We want it our way and we break it. And God lovingly is walking beside us going, no, no, no. no. Um, let, Let me let me help fix this. Let me help fix this. You know, and we want to be that reconciliation. So he comes in and doesn't bring punishment but he comes in and he brings restoration. And so it's just a different, after reading that quote, that's all I've been able to think about all week uh, of just like, man, how do I view God? How do I view my religion? How do I view the cross? How am I communicating those messages to my kids? Um, You know, What what am I communicating to them in the way I speak about God and the way I speak about Jesus? Is this escape from punishment or is this a beautiful entrance into a, a relationship that's been restored? And so I want to have that mindset as we approach God, as we approach the cross, especially the resurrection, is it should bring joy and that relationship that's been restored in us. And so um, Hebrews chapter 12 says, um, therefore, since we are surrounded by... I know it's just us in here, but... So last week we looked at the, the love of the cross, the love of reconciliation. This week we look at the resurrection leads to joy. Making all things new is not just a future endeavor, but it is an already happened. And so that's the beauty of the resurrection is it's no longer a picture of eventually God will make things new. Eventually he will fix things. Eventually we'll have that relationship restored. But the amazing thing about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is we get the picture that things are being restored right now. It's not a wait and see. It's not an eventually, but it's a right now. Jesus is in the act of restoring and making things new. And that should always bring joy. So the first thing is that resurrection brings new life now. It's not a future thing, but the resurrection shows that it's now. So when we look at the resurrection The first reason we have joy. So joy um, is an inner peace, an inner excitement, an inner drive that is not controlled, that is not changed by outward forces. And so a lot of times we, and I've been guilty of, of we get joy and we get, you know, happiness confused. And we think that we only have joy um, if we're laughing and giggling and things are great and uh, we have no problems. But the idea of joy is it's not just It's not just happiness, um, but it's an inward driving peace inside of us that that comes from that faith and conviction of having hope that everything is moving the way God intended and everything will one day be fully restored. And so we have that joy because we don't have to just take it that things are made new, but we experience new life around us. And, And that's why it's so fun to have you know, people around you that are new, new baby Christians because they're experiencing that new life for the first time or someone who's maybe, you know, fallen away and they've rededicated their life and they come and they just have that new fresh fire and they're just fun to talk to, fun to be around because there's that instant reminder right in front of you that, oh man, life is made new in Jesus. This isn't an abstract concept. This isn't a maybe, but we get to see that tangible evidence that life has changed and life is made new. And so sometimes it's easy for us to forget that. It's easy us to, to get caught in that rut, caught in that day-to-day and kind of forget how our lives have changed because of the goodness of God. You know, so when we first get saved or we first have a, that big revelation, things change in an instant for us. They very they change now. Five years after that, things day-to-day hopefully aren't changing in an instant anymore. You know, and so if every day we're a new Christian, then we're not understanding something. We're not getting something. You know, uh, I should be able to open the Bible and I want to be taught. I want to be reminded of things. I want to learn new things. But if it's a revelation every time I open the Bible, either I'm not remembering or I'm not opening it enough. You know, and so we do get caught in that rut sometimes where because we're not changing so much on a day to day basis that we forget the distance that God has brought us. And so we need to be reminded. I love that uh, all of Paul's letters, if you break Paul's letters down, um, almost exactly half of the letter is focused on the grace of God's salvation. And then the uh, the second half of the letter is addressing um, the needs of the church. So if you look at the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 11 is just on the gospel. And then 12 on is just our response to the gospel in addressing the problems that Paul sees. And that's kind of how he rolls. And so it's amazing that, especially when you look at Ephesians and Philippians, that he's doing that to churches he spent three years with. He spent three years teaching them, training their leaders, building their foundation, and pouring the gospel into them. But he still feels the need when he writes them a letter to remind them of the gospel of Jesus, to remind them of the goodness of Jesus. And so for me, it just it's, it's encouraging to know that we all need that. We all need to be reminded of the resurrection and the joy that that should bring in our lives, that we have new life now, that it's not just the old, it's not just the same old, uh, but it's new life. And it's not just that we have new life, but it's the idea that new life is possible. So many times we look at the broken world around us and we forget amazing things are possible, that things can shift on a moment. Um, I tend to get caught up in big picture things in my head and kind of going, how in the world can, you know, our little church make any kind of difference uh, in brokenness and poverty and and just suffering around us? You know, and I have to be reminded that through the resurrection, God took this big, huge world problem and he changed it in an instant. Um, that, That forgiveness once and for all times was in an instant, in a moment, as Jesus said, it is finished. And so the resurrection reminds us that even when things look dark, even when things look drastic and difficult, and, you know, it just takes me back to, uh, you know, just that idea that, um, you know, kind of like Courtney said with her, her opening message of Peter, of just how lost, how, oh, man, I can't get past this dark moment. And in an instant, Jesus can make that new. Jesus can redeem that for us. And so uh, as we look at that, uh, it brings hope that the resurrection brings new life, not just to us, not just to our church, but it can bring life to the problems, the sufferings uh, around us in the world. And so the next is, is uh, <laughs> so the next thing the resurrection reminds us is that the joy in Christ um, that allowed him to endure the cross is in us now. And so I love that verse, uh, verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand um, of the throne of God. And so really what we see is I I love that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And so it leads me to be like, what's that joy that's set before him? And so the joy that is set before him, it says despising the shame, Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. So to me, that's that perfect picture of Jesus understood what was accomplished on the cross was a restoration of the relationship that we had with God. And so, uh, and so we talked last week of, of just how, how often we want to carry shame around with us. You know, oh, woe is me. I screwed up. I can't ever be good enough. And I've got to fix myself up before I can approach the church or I can't tell the church I'm struggling with this or no one would ever, you know, want to walk with me through this hardship or this. And really, I love that, man, Jesus dealt with that on the cross. It says he's despised the shame. So he, he, he who knew no sin became sin, you know, so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so as we look at that, we look at that, Jesus did that for us, for the joy set before him, the joy of the Father and having our relationship being restored with him. And so as we look at this, this world that was broken you know, by us, God gives us joy in Christ because he was willing to die for us. And so as we look at this, I, I love that one of the things that, that struck me is I was thinking about this, especially that... That David Dark quote of Jesus is not our protection against God's terror. Jesus is God's creative response to ours is when you think about so often uh, we talk about we need to offer our forgiveness to God. And there's a few times where scripture talks about, you know, us asking for forgiveness. But more than asking for forgiveness, what scripture actually asks us for is repentance. And repentance and forgiveness are not the same things. So forgiveness is I'm sorry, forgive me. Repentance is I'm sorry, forgive me. I'm going to change the way I'm behaving not to do that again. And so I I love this picture of the joy set before Jesus in restoring our relationship as if that father who walks beside and his kids have destroyed their favorite toy and he puts it back together for them and basically says, okay, let's try not to break it again. All right, y'all are having fun with this. Let's try not to break it again. So we have one little redheaded boy that tends to destroy everything. And normally it says putting it back together and go, okay, Timothy, try not to break this again because other people are wanting to play with it. You know, and so I, I get that picture in uh, as we seek repentance. It's not just, you know, um, Jesus with the woman who was caught in adultery. He said, you know, he draws the line and he says, where are your accusers? They've, they've gone. Neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. So what he's talking about is repentance. I I don't bring shame on you. I don't bring condemnation on you. You know, I want to restore you. But in restoring us, we are once again awakened to the fact that we are entrusted with the world around us. We are repairs of the breach. We can't repair the breach while we actively break it more. While we actively try to rip it apart. And so the joy set before Jesus was that we would be restored to a right relationship with the Father. Um, so it's the joy in new things, in the restoration um, of belonging and purpose. And so as we look at the joy of the resurrection, it's the idea that I have now been returned to my purpose. Um, and so I can't remember whether it was Michelle or Dad or someone I was talking to was talking about just the, uh, you know, the, the disciples. And the idea that, you know, this was a very traumatic experience for them, and so their teacher that they'd walked with, that they'd sacrificed everything for, for three years, is suddenly taken from them like that. Um, and so, as they're as they're walking through this, as they walk through this traumatic experience, as their hopes are dashed in an instant, what do they re- what do they do? They kind of return to what they did before. They have this dark moment where it's like, ah, I guess we'll go back and go fishing. And then the resurrection, Jesus comes, and even though their hopes were dashed, he restores them to their purpose. And so I think we all have those moments where what we thought was going to happen or where we thought deliverance was going to come or where we thought breakthrough was going to happen doesn't happen. Um, It falls short, and we're just kind of crushed in that instant. And sometimes we have those moments where we doubt God, are you still there? Is this still your plan? Is this still a thing? Are we still doing what we're supposed to do? But the resurrection reminds us that we've been restored to belonging and purpose, that we're not empty, that we're not hollow, that we're not simply floating along, but we have a restored belonging and purpose in Jesus. And so it's that joy of the prodigal son coming home, the idea that we may be at the end of our rope, we may be at the last of our uh, our own energy but God is constantly desiring and waiting for us to return to him and that's not a cost we have to pay all right but that ticket home has already been paid for in Jesus and that's the joy that was set before Jesus and so that takes me back to, to Hebrews uh 12:1 so we looked at Hebrews 12:2 we're going to go backwards so therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so this is the uh, kind of on the heels of the, the faith chapter as we call it, uh, where it says faith is the substance of things not seen uh, of, of hope. And so the idea is we have so many uh, of those in the faith, in brothers and sisters in Christ, that have gone before us, that have walked hard roads, that have done amazing things. And it's not just that we're in this alone, but this is a community that goes through this together, past, present, and future. And so the author of Hebrews says we're surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses. And so I just love this, that the joy that is set before Christ, the joy of our reconciled relationship with God, the joy that it's going to become the church, all right? as Jesus is then seated at the right hand of the throne, all right, that joy, that joy is what gives us endurance, is what gives us staying power that we can run the race set before us. And so I, I love this kind of picture um, because the idea is Jesus took the shame, He took our suffering on the cross, um, He died for our sins, all right, and then He was in the grave. He was dead. It looked over. But then He was resurrected. And in that resurrection, He brings hope. Immediately to, the, to, to, to Mary. Uh, immediately to the disciples as He reveals Himself to them. And, and then He stays with them and gets them on the right track before He ascends and sends the Holy Spirit. But it's that resurrection that brings hope. Man, I, I love the fact... Uh, One of the coolest parts of Scripture is that if you look in the Gospels, James, or the family of Jesus, it talks about they want to have him almost committed. He's crazy. That's what the Scripture talks about. It's it's hard to come into your hometown and be a prophet. And so Jesus' family thinks he's lost his mind. And then all of a sudden in Acts you see James, the half-brother of Jesus, as the leader of the church. What happened? What happened between this guy's lost it to I'm now leading his church and other people in, in what, the resurrection. That, that's what happened. The resurrection brings that crazy hope and crazy faith. And so when we, when we get discouraged, we need to remind ourselves of the joy of the resurrection. That can take a James, the half-brother of Jesus, from this guy's crazy. He needs to be committed to, man, I'll lead your church. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spread your news everywhere that I can. And so we have that joy to carry with us. That we can lay aside every weight, every sin which clings so closely, and we can run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we have joy in the new life of Jesus and we have endurance because it's not just that he resurrected, but it's that he went and made intercession for us. That's the, that's the amazing thing the right hand of God is he's constantly making intercession and that he sent us the Holy Spirit so we didn't have to do it alone. And so as we look at the resurrection, it's not just the love of the cross, but it's the joy of the resurrection. That even though we were lost, even though we were broken, um, we are made new and we can carry that new life, and that new life should be infectious. Let's pray. Um, dearly Father, we thank you and we praise you um, that you are a God of redemption, uh, that you are a God of making all things new. And so, Father, we thank you um, for the cross. God, we thank you for the forgiveness that we've received, um, that you've taken our shame upon yourself so that we, we don't have to be condemned anymore, Father. God, we thank you for the resurrection, that you have power over death, that you have power over sin and suffering, Father, um, that we can be full of joy, a joy that's not uh, shaken, a joy that can't be stripped away, but a joy that is eternal, as you are eternal. So, Father, we thank you, and we praise you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we do have men's meeting this week, Tuesday at 7.